بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه. The Jum'ah Khutbah is an essential reminder that calls the believers every Friday to increase in taqwa, God consciousness. This series shares Jum'ah Khutbahs that take place at the Al-Maqasid Seminary. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina wa manana Muhammadin. Miftah babi rahmatillah. Adadama fi inmillah. Salatin wassalamin daimaini bidawami mulkillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahtahu la sharika lah. Ilahan wahidan wa rabban shahidan wa nahnu lahu muslimun. وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وقرة أعيننا محمدًا عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله ولو كره الكافرون أما بعد فيا عباد الله إني أوصيكم ونفسي المذنبة بتقوى الله فتقوى الله ملاك الحسنات كلها وقد قال الله تعالى في كتابه العزيز يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما الحمد لله We must praise Allah سبحانه وتعالى for his endless bounties and blessings that he sends upon us. And we include in that those that we know and those that we do not know of. For the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as he says in his book, If you were to count even one blessing of Allah, you will not really encompass it or enumerate it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that there are multiple types of blessings. There are outward blessings, but there are also inward blessings. And he says in Surah Al-Luqman, أَلَمْ تَرَوْا أَنَّ اللَّهَ سَخَّرَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ Have you not seen that Allah has subjugated for you whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth? وَأَسْبَغَ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعَمَهُ ظَاهِرَةً وَبَاطِلَةً And he has lavished upon you, and he has lavished his favors upon you, both those who are ظَاهِرَة, those who that are seen, and those that are batina, those that are unseen. The blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala demand from us that we are grateful. As the Prophet said, Should I not be a grateful servant? And shakur is much more emphatic than the word shakir. And shakur is a person who is ever grateful. That is their permanent state. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, unfortunately, he, he mentions about us in the Qur'an, وَقَلِيلٌ مِنْ عِبَادِيَ الشُّكُورِ And very few of my ibad, of my servants, are of that level of gratitude, a shukur, the oft and ever grateful. May Allah make us amongst them. Make them one of the Bedouins, he said, may Allah make me amongst the, the, the few. May Allah make me amongst the few. And that was his dua. And no one really got what he was, what he was meaning by that. They didn't really understand and, and, and then he read to them this verse, that only few of my servants are truly grateful. And he said, may he, may he become amongst the few. I mean, may we all become amongst those few. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's outward and inward blessings demand from us both outward and inward gratitude. And the outward and inward gratitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in, in one sense 
for us to abandon all sins, both outward sins and the inward sins, the sins of the limbs, but also the sins of the heart. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, Leave off the outward sins and the inward, and the inward sins. Those who commit sins will be punished for what they earn. Now, in order to abandon all of the sins, that's a tall task. To abandon outward sins, okay, maybe that's tangible, but the inward sins as well, these things require work. And Sayyidina Ali, radiallahu anhu, he was told that we saw the moon, today is Eid. Everyone is happy that they saw the moon of the first of Shawwal after Ramadan was finished, and they told him, today is Eid. He said, yes, today is Eid, and tomorrow is Eid, and the day after that is Eid, and every day that Allah is not disobeyed in is Eid. Every day that we do not disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Eid. Now, how exactly do we accomplish this task? In order to abandon these sins, we have to know what causes people to sin. In order to abandon these sins, we need to understand what causes people to sin. And Imam uh, Al-Muhasibi, Abu Al-Harith Al-Muhasibi, one of the great scholars, he wrote a very beautiful book which has been translated. Two of them have been translated. One is called Adab al-Nufus, The Etiquettes of the Soul. Uh, and another is called Risadat al-Mustarshideen, a treatise for the seekers of guidance. It was translated by Imam Zaid Shakir. Uh, Allah preserve him. But Imam Al-Muhasibi, he says there's three reasons why people fall into sin. Three reasons. He says, uh, that people are vulnerable to sin because of three things. The first is al-ghafla, heedlessness. The second is al-ghalaba, that they are, uh, they are overwhelmed by their desires and they, they just lost the battle. They lost the battle. They have a desire to do something sinful and they tried not to do it, but they were overpowered by that desire. And then the third is ignorance. And he says that it's possible that a person has all three of these qualities in, uh, in, in them. And if you were to say to me that I don't know anyone who's free from all three, then I would say that you're probably right. And this is how Imam Hasibi was and how he writes his book. So we should not, we should not uh, take his humility uh, uh, for granted right? because these are realities that can be achieved lest he wouldn't, otherwise he would not be mentioning them. Uh, however, they are few. There are few who truly have protected themselves from all three of these things, right? And we know, we can obviously understand that the cure for ignorance is knowledge. And this is why seeking, there's a certain level of knowledge that is obligatory on every one of us, and that is what's known as ilm al-hal, right? the knowledge of your circumstance. Whatever Allah requires from you in the role that he has placed you in, those are, to, in order to fulfill the commandments of Allah, you require, we, we all require knowledge uh, in what Allah wants in that regard. Right? So that level of knowledge is obligatory. Right? So if we find ourselves in a situation where we do not know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us, then we must seek that knowledge before we act. We must seek that knowledge before we make that decision, or we take that job, or we make that investment, or we do that contract, or whatever it may be. We must seek the knowledge first and then act. Uh, and, and many a times we, we act and then we go to the scholars and we say, well, is, has this, uh, this job that I've been doing for 20 years, is it halal? Right? And, then, uh, and then we find out, we, we wonder why we are in difficulty. Right? But ignorance can be cured by knowledge. 
by seeking of knowledge. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase us in knowledge. And it's the one thing that the, uh, the Prophet was asked or told or commanded to ask for an increase of. There's an ever increase in knowledge. Uh, however, right, there are the other two types. And before moving to them about knowledge, uh, one of the great uh, scholars of the past, he said, Man bil jahli ta'ala. Whoever is content with their ignorance is content that they are disobeying Allah. Right? And that is uh, something to reflect on. But the other two, heedlessness and being overpowered by our desires, being overpowered by our desires and heedlessness, they require something a little bit deeper. They require a constant effort in order to keep the heart present with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A constant and consistent daily, day in and day out effort to keep the heart focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to strike the distractions of the world and the distractions of the people. Uh, but in order for our hearts to be present, they have to first be awake. Because there's a type of sleep uh, of the hearts, a type of uh, zombie-like motions through the world. And many of us have felt, felt this. We might not realize it, but we all felt it. Have you ever gone, got in your car and drove to work and then you don't remember anything that happened in between? You got to work, you don't remember turning, you don't remember taking the exits, you don't remember doing anything, right? You're just there, right? Uh, we, when we eat, we eat, we don't even think about what we're doing. We just, we don't even chew, really. Right? And these are states of a type of, of, of heedlessness and a type of sleep, spiritual sleep. And Imam Ali, he said, that the people are sleeping. But when they, when they die, they will wake up. They will come to an alert state. And we live in a culture when everyone is talking about being, being awoke, right? being woke. And these are the realities that our deen has taught us but in a different way, in a different light, in a light that, that is beyond just the outward, but it has to do with the soul as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, لَقَدَ كُنْتَ فِي غَفْلَةٍ عَنْ هَذَا فَكَشَفْنَا عَنْكَ غِطَاءَكَ فَبَصَرُكَ الْيَوْمَ حَدِيدٍ That indeed you were in heedlessness of this. And what is this? Meaning the day of judgment. And we have removed the veil, the covering from you today. And your, and your sight is now piercing. So Imam al-Muhasibi, Back to what he was saying, he says that the, the all goodness is, in, is based on having a heart that is awake. All goodness is achieved by having a heart that is awake. And all heedlessness, the source of it is having a heart that is, sorry, all evil, the source of it is a heart that is heedless. And he defines a, a heart that is awakened or a heart that is mutayaqid by a heart that is constantly considering the fact that life is short. The constant remembrance and reflection that life itself is short and that our time spent is already written. Whether we know what it is or not, it is already written and it may be tomorrow and it may be the day after. It may be that we are, our names are already written in the scrolls of who will die this year. And we ask Allah for a long life, but we have to be re realistic. The second is to be vigilantly, vigilantly aware of that death at all times. The fact that in this specific moment I could die, in this specific situation I could die. And the third is reflecting on what will happen, what we will all meet after that happens, after that death. And uh, these realities, you can see that all of them have to do with death. Everything has to do with death and the hereafter. And this is, and the opposite is also true, that everything of the dunya is that which distracts your heart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
But he says that by means of this, the door of all the good deeds, of all good deeds is opened. And now a person is able to hasten toward good deeds and, and to cure themselves from procrastination. And by means of that, they will take advantage of the time that they have in this life, of every moment that they have in this life, and not waste any time. Right? However, heedlessness he defines as long hopes. Amal, tulul amal. Long hopes is either the desire to stay longer in this life, right, or the, uh, the lack or the ignoring of an imminent death, the imminent possibility of death. Uh, and the second is forgetting about the hereafter, except for a passing thought that comes to the mind that doesn't remain because we make excuses for why that can't be. And Imam Ghazali, he goes into detail about this, that the thought will come to the mind that, oh, I'm going to die soon. Right? Uh, and then some resolve will come that maybe I should start doing this or start doing that. But then we will say, you know what? I, I have to, after I get this house, then I'll start doing it. Once I get settled for this new job, then I'll do it. Once I retire, then I'll do that. And then he says that once that time comes, he will say, once my children get married, then I'll do it. Once they get a house, then I'll do it. Once they get reti they retire, then I'll do it. And there will always be more and more excuses. And this is the idea of taswif, procrastination. And Imam al-Haddadi says, with taswif, sharru musahabin, that the, the worst of companions is procrastination. And to say, uh, if only, or perhaps I'll attain this or that, while being, while being lax and idle. Right? That That he has turned away from the path of true resolve, and he has inclined toward weak, interpretations or justifications and dispensations. And this is something that we all have to deal about deal with about ourselves, the fiqir first and foremost. But he says that having this long hope and this ignoring of the possibility and the, or the imminence uh, of death is the, is, opens the door to that procrastination and it opens the door to falling into all kinds of sins. He says, in the river of, all, of the sins, now, in order to achieve this state of wakefulness, there has to be an effort. But Imam al-Muhasibi, he gives us a very specific and very short list of what we need to do, even though this is something we need to really dedicate ourselves to. And we want to look into this, and may Allah give us tawfiq to, to act upon his blessed words. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing to constantly remember death and to forgive our sins and to forgive all the blessings that we have taken advantage and granted and taken for granted والصلاه والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه ومن تبعهم باحسان الى يوم الدين وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين اشهد ان لا اله الا الله واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا عباد الله اني اوصيكم ونفسي المذنبه بتقوى الله اما بعد presence of heart with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ultimate goal for the seeker the results of that presence is truly what we're seeking, but that is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our part is to bring our heart to a state 
that it can be granted ma'rifah of Allah, gnosis of Allah, that it can be, it can come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then we beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the results. And this is the true definition of raja, of hope, is to take all of the means that one has at their, at their disposal, and then to leave the results to Allah. And Imam al-Ghazali, he likens the person who has true hope in Allah to the farmer. The farmer tills the soil, they plant the seeds, they remove the weeds, they irrigate the land, and then all they have to do after that is wait. There's nothing else they can do. And this is what we, this is what we are charged with in this world, that we must plant the seeds of goodness. We must till the soil of our hearts and we must irrigate it with the remembrance of Allah and presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then the results are on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that but to have hope without taking the means this is false hope this is uh, what's known as a tamanni right? false hopes now in order for our hearts to be present uh, to be present they have to first be awake as we mentioned and Imam al-Haddad in the Book of Assistance, he says that in the beginning, one must force themselves to be present of heart with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And they must fight the urge for, to be distracted or to, uh, to be heedless of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to fight the distractions from creation. But if a person is consistent on this and they become firm in this, that they will get to a state where they would need to be to 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 strive to have presence with people, right? And to be and to 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 almost have moments where they are not completely immersed in the remembrance of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, so they can do their daily dealings, and this and so their state is completely flipped. That's the difficulty that they once experienced in trying to be present with Allah is now something that they experience in trying to not be present with Allah. Not that they're not that they're cut off with Allah, but they, they are immersed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, presence and, and, and mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qualities. But in order to achieve that, we have to first be awake, as we mentioned. And Imam al-Muhasibi, he says that if you were to ask me, what are the means by which I can strengthen my tayaqud, my spiritual awakeness or my spiritual alertness? And he says two things. He says two things. And he says the first one is ikhlas dua to make a sincere sub to sincerely supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second is Musahabatu Manyuridu Maturid wa Mufaraqatu Manyula Yuridu Maturid is to keep keep the company of those who seek what you seek and to distance yourself from those who don't seek what you seek. And he explains why. He says because keeping the company of those who don't want what you want, meaning they don't want to be awake spiritually. They don't want to be present with Allah. They don't want to be slaves that are obedient to Allah and grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you, they don't want what you want, then they will, their, their company will harm you even if you don't realize it. And, but keeping the company of those who also want what you want, of closeness to Allah, of love of Allah, of presence with Allah, then their, their com companionship will benefit you in ways you can never realize and their companionship will never have any harm on you whatsoever. Now this first, this first one he says is ikhlasud dua, sincere dua, not just dua, but sincere dua. And if we look at the, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about dua in the Quran, it is directly tied in with our purpose of life, of being, uh, of being abd, of being a servant and a worshiper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah says, in the end of Surah Al-Furqan, he says, قُلْ مَا يَعْبَأُ بِكُمْ رَبِّي لَوْ لَا دُعَاكُمْ 
your say, O Prophet, you all would not even matter to your to my Lord were it not for your du'a. The word in Arabic is du'a. Now the scholars they generally translate this if it wasn't for your worship. But look, and that's what it means here. But Allah use, doesn't use the word ibadah; He uses the word du'a. Why? Because du'a is one of the core aspects of worship. Right? As Allah, as the Prophet said, du'a mukhul ibadah. Du'a is the essence of worship. And if we look at another example from the Quran where Allah compares du'a and ibadah and worship, supplication and worship, He says, "Waqara Rabbukum ud'uni astajib lakum," and say, and He said, and your Lord says, right, "Call upon Me, and I will respond to you." Verily, those who are too arrogant for my worship, then they will enter hellfire abased. And Allah compares not making dua as to being arrogant from doing worship. Because dua is worship. Dua is the essence of worship, as the Prophet said. And the word that he used for essence is mukh, for the doctors. Right, the mukh is the bone marrow. So whatever the disease is for a person who has no bone marrow, that's the, the spiritual equivalent to not having dua in one's life. Right? And we wonder why our hearts are not awakened. Right? And, but the definition of dua is really important to focus on. That dua in real and its true essence is ubudiyah. It is worship of Allah and it is servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is to show Allah that you are a servant, that I am a servant to Allah. And the, the basis of ubudiyah, right, as is translated by uh, Imam al Asfahani in Mufradat in the Quran, is al khudu' wa tadallul, submission and humility. That is what ubudiyah, servanthood means submission and humility. And dua is the key to achieving those two qualities as a state in one's heart. And Imam al-Haddad beautifully in his poem, in very subtle language, he summarizes all of these meanings. And he says, My The knowledge of my Lord is sufficient for me to not have to ask or to not have to choose. Right, so why would I make dua? The argument is, why would I make dua when regardless of what I ask for, Allah is going to give me what he decrees. And regardless of what I choose, only what Allah wants to happen will happen. So why would I make dua? Right, so he's starting his poem off almost essentially uh, mentioning what people may have in their minds of this question. Right, so he says, فَدُعَيْ fa." Right, so it's the sabab, it's the reason. So the reason for my dua, فَدُعَيْ وَبْتِهَارِ شَاهِدٌ لِبِفْتِقَارِ So the reason for my supplication and my, my, my begging of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is shahidun, it's a proof li, for me of my desperation of Allah, of my need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not that by me asking Allah is going to give me and me not asking Allah is not going to give me. Allah will give what he has decreed to give. But by me making dua and putting out and taking the means by showing Allah that I want this thing or that I need this thing, then I am showing myself that I am desperate. I am showing myself that I am poor to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, فَلِهَذَا sirri أَدْعُوا For this reason, for this wisdom, for this secret is the reason why I call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فِي wa asari In my good times and in my bad. He puts good first. Right? And one of the signs is that we are not doing du'a out of servitude, is that we only do it when we have needs. We only do it when we have something pressing in our life, something goes wrong, then we raise the hands. 
And, and it is a, this is why tribulation is sometimes a great blessing, because if it wasn't for the tribulations, our hands would be at our sides. We wouldn't raise our hands to Allah. We wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't turn to the Qibla and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says, it's for this reason that I make dua, to prove, to show my servanthood to Allah, to show my desperation, my need to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in times of good and bad. And abdun, I am a servant. I am a slave. Whose honor has become in his poverty and his desperation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what an honor it is to be free from servitude to any of the creation and to be only servants of the one who has no needs of us, has no list of things that they want from us except for those things that, that are in our benefits. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no need of us. Right, so this idea of supplication, it's, it's a training ground to remove the cloak of deception from the hearts. And what is the deception? That we, don't, that we are self-sufficient, that we are not in need, that we don't need help, that we can do it on our own. This, this uh, egotism that we, all, that we all fall into at some times. And Allah says in the Quran, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ أَنْتُمُ الْفُقُرَاءُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ هُوَ الْغَنِيُّ الْحَمِيدُ O oh, people, you are in desperate of need of Allah, and Allah is self-sufficient and praiseworthy. Only Allah is self-sufficient. Everything else is, de is desperately in need of Allah existentially. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says that indeed the human has transgressed all limits. Kalla inna indeed the human has transgressed all limits. Why? Because he sees himself as self-sufficient. He sees that he has no need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Imam al-Ghazali, uh, he mentions some beautiful examples because Imam Muhasibi he didn't say just to make dua. He said to make ikhlasu dua, to make it sincere. And sincerity in dua is a very specific thing. It's a very specific method. And in, in order to achieve these specific results, we have to do it with its etiquettes. And uh, if we look in the Quran, the words that Allah uses when he talks about the, the, his worshippers who call upon him, he uses the word raghbah. That there's yearning involved. That a person's yearning and longing for a connection with Allah. He uses the word rahbah. That there's fear and awe and reverence to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He uses the word tadarru'an wa khufya tadarru'a. Which is submission or humility to Allah. And khufya. That it's done in, uh, you can translate it as quietly as well. And we'll see where that comes in. Right, so the first etiquette that Imam Ghazali mentions is that it has to be from the heart. It has to be from the hearts, not just from the tongue. And for this reason, as the scholars they mentioned, especially Imam Al-Tahawi, he mentions that when you're making dua to Allah outside of the prayer, it's better for you to use your own words. It's better for you to use your own words. And the reason is that if we only stick to those things which we memorized, right, then, and if we don't know what the Arabic means or we don't know what the dua means, then it won't truly penetrate our heart, even though there's a blessing in the Arabic. Uh, but if a one is able to pour their heart out in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is closer to sincerity. Uh, but he mentions that as for inside the prayer, it's better to stick to what one memorized, right? So as not to make any mistakes in what one is saying, unless they know Arabic, right? And, but doing it in one's own words, in one's own language, right? Whatever they feel most comfortable to, with, right? That is closest to sincerity. The second is to have outward and inward humility, Right? And to do it in a humbling manner. So the position in which we sit during the dua, if we look at the way the Prophet ﷺ would make dua, we would see that humility. 
Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu, he said that the Messenger of Allah said that indeed your Lord is hayyun karimun. It's tough to translate this. Right? Is shy and generous. Right? And he is shy that when his servant raises his hands that he returns them with nothing. So one of the first etiquettes to show outward humility to Allah, and hopefully this leads to inward humility, is to raise the hands. And the Prophet ﷺ, he would put his hands together and he would turn them to the heavens. And he would put them close to it, parallel to his face, and he would beg. And he would ask Allah like this. In another narration, he would put his hands in the air such that they could see his underarms while doing it. And we know at the Battle of Badr that he raised his hands so much, beseeching Allah that his shawl fell off his shoulders. And Abu Bakr had to console him that raising the hands, right? Also, there's a mention of not looking toward the heavens, right? To look down like a person, a servant before his master, right? Also, to do it in a, a medium volume, not so loud, but not so soft, right? And our scholars mention that to do it as best in whichever way is better in bringing the hearts to a state of humility. But the most important is sadiq, is to be real. Be real with Allah. Don't be fake with Allah. If you don't know how to make du'a, tell Allah you don't know how to make du'a. Okay? And, and pretentiousness in du'a is one of the things that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited. And he says that in the, near the day of judgment, there is qawmun ya'tadoona fi du'a. There is people who will go uh, beyond the bounds in regards to du'a. And the scholars, they mention that this is takalluf. That they will make takalluf in which words they choose and how eloquent it sounds and this. Right? And this is against this ikhlas dua this sincerity. But practical advice, and we heard this from our teachers, may Allah allow us to implement it first and foremost, and everyone here, that we have to have a constant portion of supplication every day. Right? Obviously, it's best to choose those prestigious times of the day and those auspicious moments, like after the prayer or between the adhan and iqama, the sitting between the two khutbahs and so forth. But most importantly, that we have time every day that we can call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's better that it's a time when there's no one around. There's no preventatives. There's no, some, oh, there's someone over there that might hear me. Right? There's someone over there that might see me in my position like this. Right? To, this is why the scholars would use the depths of the night for this blessed, for this blessed action. Right? And even if it's just five minutes, five minutes of just pouring your heart out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Instead of venting to our friends, we have to vent to Allah. Tell Allah what we want to do, and ideally that this will lead to a state of tears, that this will lead to a state of humility before Allah, and this will change the heart immediately. And this will change the heart immediately as long as there is consistency in it, when we'll see the effects of this. The second and the last thing that he says that we need to do in order to make our hearts awake, right, by, after which we can start to work on the different levels of presence, uh, he says to have the company of those who do not, who uh, to to keep the company of those who seek what we seek and to stay away from those who don't seek what we seek. Meaning those who don't, don't care about their relationship with Allah, those who, don't, who only want worldly things and, don't, and their desires and their, achieve, their aspirations don't go beyond the grave. And those are the people who the compa constant companionship with them will harm our hearts, will keep our hearts in, in this sleeping state, in this heedless state. And the Prophet ﷺ, he advised us that a person is on the, the, the deen, the way, or the religion of his closest companion. So let every one of us be, let each one of you be very careful of who he befriends. Right? And Imam Ghazali, he has a very beautiful section about uh, suhbah, of companionship. And he mentions that people 
seek companions with certain qualities according to what they want to get out of the relationship. And he, and he says that applies to worldly things and applies to I mean, worldly companionship, it also applies to religious companionship. And, he, and I'll just translate what he says. He says that, uh, that companionship is used for many different reasons, both worldly and, and religious. Uh, as for the worldly gains that one can seek by having companionship, he says that it's to, to acquire wealth or to acquire status, I'm friends with so-and-so, uh, or just to have some company. Right, by seeing them and being around them. Right? And he says, None of that is our goals. None of that is what we're seeking. And he says, as for the religious goals of uh, the benefits that we are seeking to achieve by means of this suhbah, he says that uh, there are many. Amongst them is to benefit from knowledge, to benefit from their good deeds, to benefit from their, their status such that it will not lead us to be confused in our religion. I want to be around the scholars. Why? Because the scholars have knowledge and if I have a question I can ask them. As opposed to being around people who are confused themselves, I may not understand something that they say. All right. And, uh, and also he says uh, that wealth is amongst it, but only with the intention that a person will be able to take care of their needs without wasting time. Uh, and they can use that time to worship Allah. He says, help in one's needs and help enduring time of uh, difficulty. And he says, another one is right, to just for the blessing of being around blessed people by gaining their dua, getting dua from them, right? And attaining their, their shafa'a, their intercession on the day of judgment. And many of the righteous, as Imam Ghazali lists after that uh, statement after statement of the righteous, uh, that they would keep the suhbah of certain people just so that they can enter the intercession of that person on the Day of Judgment. Look at that, how far, far-sighted these people were. And he says that some of the salaf, the righteous predecessors, said that uh, get a lot of brothers, istakthiru min al-ikhwan, have a lot of brothers, meaning religious brothers, fellow Muslims and fellow Muslim brothers and sisters, for every individual believer, they have an intercession. And perhaps you will enter into the intercession of one of your brothers. I mean, may Allah allow us to enter into intercession of first and foremost the, the Prophet and our, our blessed teachers and each other. But he says that don't, don't be deceived by any, just any person. There is conditions. He says first, intellect. That have, being friends with a fool right, will only harm you because they may do something intending good for you but harm you even more. Uh, the second is someone who has good character because uh, a, 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 a person's nature is take, takes from other people's natures and we tend to resemble our friends. So if they have good character, we will likely become like that. Uh, religious practice. Allah says, Follow the path of those who repent and turn always to me, meaning those people who are constantly seeking to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their religious practice. And, and most important, to not have companionship with anyone who is avidly seeking worldliness, who is avidly seeking worldliness. Al-haris ala dunya the one who is avidly seeking material luxuries and just for the sake of having it, not because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These distractions that are taking us from Allah, he says, why? Because it's summun qatil. It is a deadly poison because it is the nature of a human to resemble those who we were with and to take from their nature 
Uh, and if we are around someone who is constantly worried about material things and material gains and status, and automatically our hearts will start to incline to those things. And he says, So for that reason, it is, uh, it is odious to have the company of those who are only seeking worldliness. And it is, uh, it is encouraged to have the, uh, the com company of those who are only seeking the Akhirah. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us with righteousness and to make us amongst those who the Prophet said uh, that a person will be on the religion of his closest friend and, and may we be among the, on the religion of our shuyukh, our teachers and our mentors and those who we look up into in the religion. In closing, the Prophet said that a righteous companion is better than being alone. Right? And being alone is better than being with a, an evil companion. So. Uh, this, our religion does not teach us to be away from the, the jama'ah, to be recluse. It teaches us to find righteous people. And righteous people are found in righteous places. Right? If we want to find a friend who is righteous, right, we're not going to find them in the club. We're not going to find them uh, in the bars. We're not going to find them in, in, in places of worldliness. We're going to find them in places of presence. In the masjid, in the madrasa, in the school, in the neighborhoods. Uh, we will, and we have to seek them out, and it is part of our religious duty to seek them out, and it is an act of worship to do so. Uh, and most important of those conditions is to find someone uh, who wants Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in order to do that, we have to first want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to make a strong res resolve to ourselves that, oh Allah, my, I'm going to, my entire life is dedicated to one purpose, which is attaining your pleasure attaining your pleasure. And then after making that firm resolve with oneself, every decision that we make in life, big or small, from this point on should be based on achieving that goal. And, and to this point, Imam al-Haddadi, he says, My Lord, upon you is my reliance, just as my trust is too, right, out of complete truthfulness to you. And the furthest extent of my, my desires and my aspirations is your eternal sweet pleasure. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq and to make us amongst those who travel the aqwam tariq the straight path. Inna Allah wa malaikatuhu yusalluna ala nabi Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alihi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama sallayta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala Ali Sayyidina Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid Allahumma barak ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala Ali Sayyidina Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid wa radiyallahu ta'ala an sadatina al-khulafai rashidin Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman wa Ali وعلى جميع ساداتنا الصحابة الكرام وجميع أهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من العجاز وعمي رسول الله سيدنا حمزة وسيدنا عباس وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات Allah we ask you to forgive us for having uh, taken advantage of your blessings and disobeying you using your blessings. Ya Allah, keep us in the company of the righteous. Allow us to die amongst the righteous. Allow us to receive the intercession of the righteous and to be raised and enter into paradise with the righteous. To remove from our lives every single person who is in a, a means of taking, who you know in your knowledge is a means of taking us away from you and your obedience and put in our lives every single person who will be a means of us coming to you. 
Subhanahu wa ta'ala in goodness, gentleness, and well-being. Inna Allah ya'muru bil-adli wal-ihsan wa ita'i dhil-qurba wa yanha'anil fahshai wal-munkari wal-baghi ya'idhukum la'allikum tadhakkaroon. Udhkuru Allah al-azim ya'dhkurkum wa shkuruhu ala ni'amihi ya'zidkum wa la'dhikru Allah akbar. Wallahu ya'lamu ma tasna'oon. Thank you for listening to Al-Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al-Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full-time, part-time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.